Here we go. It's the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vizuki, and thank you all for downloading and listening to another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Hope you're all having a great week. Staying warm, hopefully. I know uh, everyone's getting attacked by the snow in the Midwest, and I'm sure in other parts of the country as well. But, uh, boy, uh, it's been a crazy week uh, in the Midwest for sure. Hope you're all staying safe and staying warm. Feels like forever since we've last had the Chiefs game. I mean, coming off that Monday night game, maybe we needed to take a deep breath a little bit and step away from Chiefs football just a little bit. Uh, but the Chiefs are coming back this week. So we are going to get back into the grind of things doing a preview podcast. Later in this episode, we will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. The first time these two teams will be playing in 2018. I'll give you guys my bold prediction about Kansas City's defense in this football game. Also, why is Oakland so bad this year? We're going to get into that. If you haven't followed the NFL a whole lot outside of the Chiefs, if you haven't seen a lot of Raiders games, well, I'll explain to you why they've been so bad this year. Plus, I'll give you guys my final score for this game. Give you guys my prediction. Also, before we get into that, we'll touch on the MVP debate and where Patrick Mahomes stands with that. What my prediction for that, how I think it would go, and where would I put my vote down for I'll touch on that later on we'll also look around the NFL even more like we did in the last episode we'll go a little bit more into that when we go around the NFL also one NFL player criticized his teammate in a radio interview plus this is very interesting I like talking about media topics I uh, just recently we talked about the First Amendment issue with uh, Jim Acosta and Donald Trump and that whole deal. You guys know I love talking about issues like that because you guys are listening to some part of media right now, listening to this podcast. You guys listen to a lot of talk radio, I'm sure. You guys read a lot about the Chiefs or the NFL on uh, on a lot of blogs and websites. Uh, this is a little bit different, though. It's still media, but in a different way with Amazon bidding on some uh, networks owned by Disney. And this could impact your viewing experience as a Chiefs fan and definitely as a sports fan, we'll get into how that's the case and more beyond that story with Amazon and what they are doing. Also, at the end of the show, I'm going to talk to you about a gender reveal that went horribly wrong. Actually, a couple of them recently revealed. Uh, people are just ridiculous with those nowadays. We'll talk about all of that and much more on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vasugan. As always, thank you guys for downloading and listening. Social media, facebook.com slash Farzee Vasugin. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. We will not be doing a Facebook Live video at halftime nor after the game. I will do a Facebook Live video video at some point during the game. Uh, I'm going to be hosting a watch party. uh, So I'll have a little bit of video uh, just showing what's going on. So if you want to join for that, great. If not, hey, no hard feelings. Uh, We will not be doing commentary at halftime or after the game. But we will do it the following week. So just heads up, not doing that this Sunday uh, but if you guys want to, I'll still be tweeting on Twitter. Uh, I mean, where else would I be tweeting? At Farzine21. Give me a follow on there. I'll be tweeting during the game. And email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Subscribe and share the links for this episode. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. And spread the word. Let your friends know about the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Before we get started, because there is some big news to get into... <laughs> This week, I, I I went I went to go get some groceries, and I ran into Andy Studebaker. For those who, I mean, I'm sure you guys all remember him very well if you followed the Chiefs closely. 
Uh, Studebaker, I think, was a rookie in 2009. Uh, came in the same year Todd Haley. Uh, in his first year joining the Chiefs. Uh, outside linebacker was a backup initially. And he had that big game against Roethlisberger where he had two picks. Uh, that dude is massive. I've never seen him in, per- in person before. First time I've ever seen him in person. Uh, I-, I didn't realize he was not playing in the NFL. I thought he was for sure a backup somewhere. I know he was with the Colts, but I don't know what happened after that, admittedly. Uh, but man, that dude is freaking huge. Uh, looks like he's in great football shape, but maybe he just slowed down and wasn't doing as well on the field, uh, perhaps. And that's why he's no longer playing. That that guy has to be like the Incredible Hulk every year for for Halloween. He just has to. By the way, funny story. Uh, I, I was thinking about you know running into him on my way to the car. I was backing out. Uh, did it, I thought I was paying attention. Didn't notice. All of a sudden, it's Studebaker right behind my vehicle in his uh, grocery cart. Almost uh, hit him uh, on my way. Uh, essentially leaving the parking lot. So, uh, yeah, ran into Andy Studebaker. Uh, massive, massive dude. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, he's doing some good things, whatever he's doing with his post-football career. Now, on to the good stuff. Breaking news this week for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mitch Morris returned. Of course, he had the concussion. Uh, he suffered, had not practiced since week six, so he is back. He was actually a full participant, but even better, Eric Berry practiced for the first time since August 11th. Yes, yes, Eric Berry is back practicing with the Chiefs for the first time since uh, even preseason games. I was going to say uh, first time uh, in the regular season, but even uh, since the preseason games kicked off, uh, we had not seen Eric Berry practice, uh, had that heel issue. Uh, now, I don't know uh, if Eric Berry has, got, if he will be made available to the media this week. Generally, once players are available to speak to the media, they'll they'll do it. But if they're hurt, they they have no media obligation. I think that's part of the NFL rules. Uh, I, I don't know that rule for a fact, but I'm just assuming, just based on what I've seen before, a lot of times players don't do interviews unless they're available. Uh, when I say available, meaning they're not injured or anything. So Eric Berry was available. And by the way, a lot of people complaining on social media that there was not a lot of footage of him in practice. Something that a lot of fans may not know of, there is a very, very strict rule regarding two things. The first one is tweeting, uh, for, for the media that is, tweeting at practice. Uh, I remember uh, I, I went out uh, to a media uh, or, uh, media availability. I think it was Andy Reid's first off season with the Chiefs, and I, I remember one of the PR guys. I just I, I knew there was a new rule going around at the time about tweeting about what, what you can take pictures of and what you can't. And I just wanted to verify with uh, one of the PR guys and, and said, "Hey, is is tweeting okay?" He said, uh, "Don't tweet during practice." Uh, but afterwards, uh, feel free to tweet whatever you want. Just don't tweet formations. Uh, which look, uh, anybody can speculate on formations and what teams might do. Uh, but that's something that, uh, a lot of NFL teams now have in place. Uh, another thing is, again, people, this is what people complained about the most. There was not a lot of footage about Eric Berry at, at practice, but the media is only allowed to film a certain amount, maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And it, it, it generally, they only do it when the players are stretching, uh, basically during warmups. So you can't 
film actual footage of practice uh, was very, very different a long time ago. But I think with social media and just video sharing in general, I think that has changed for myriad of reasons. Which, again, that's a topic for another time. But uh, the point being is that's why you didn't see a lot of Eric Berry. I kind of made a joke on Twitter. The Chiefs uh, put out a, a tweet, a video of Eric Berry tying his shoes for 10 seconds. And I uh, did a tweet quote and I said, oh, oh, OMG, he's tying his shoes. And everyone goes crazy for that. Everyone's excited. <laughs> I saw people making jokes that they never thought uh, 10 seconds of someone tying their shoes would excite them ever. Um, but again, all you really saw was him tying his shoes, putting on a helmet. Uh, stretching and warm-ups, that's the only time the media is allowed to uh, film anything. And I think it's a 15-minute limit. Uh, one of the PR guys will say, hey, go ahead, start filming, get what you need. And, you know, whether it's on your phone or if it's a, a photographer, uh, cameraman, whatever it is, uh, that is the time they are allowed to take pictures, get footage of whoever. In this case, I'm sure everyone in the media Got uh, pictures and video of Eric Berry. Uh, maybe one news outlet wants different footage of Andy Reid. So one of their camera guys, they'll get some footage of Andy Reid doing something different. Because maybe they've used the same ones over and over again when talking about him. Uh, it, it's a very unusual rule. And again, I get, I get the reasoning for that because of where technology is now and all the video sharing that takes place. But for those that were wondering why aren't we seeing a lot of footage of Eric Berry, well... That's your answer. So I wanted to clarify that on uh, on this podcast and explain why that's the case. But nonetheless, Eric Berry's back. Look, I, I'm not going to get too much in. I don't have a whole lot to say. I've already said what I wanted to say about this. By the way, he was a limited participant in practice. Mitch Morris was a full participant. Sammy Watkins did not practice due to a foot injury. The broadcasters didn't really mention this. Another reason why the Monday Night Football broadcasters are terrible. And, and I don't want to digress too much, but I try to be very... Careful when criticizing broadcasters, especially if it's your first year doing it. But man, uh, this Monday Night Football crew is bad. It really is. I think you could pick uh, college students who you know have done a good job in college and have won a lot of awards. And I think they could do honestly do a better job of uh, analyzing the game or, or calling it better than uh, these guys. So uh, again, I try to be very careful with my criticism of that kind of thing. But it is just flat out bad. And they never mentioned Sammy Watkins uh, exited the game. After the first drive, uh, which I know we talked about on here, but they didn't mention that on the podcast. Anthony Hitchens also uh, dealing with some rib injuries, but he was a full participant. Only four players on the Chiefs injury report. I will take that at this point. Uh, Very rare that you have four players on an injury report going into the month of December. The Chiefs are very fortunate. Of course, getting Mitch Morse and Eric Berry back, that is good news for sure. But again, going back to Eric Berry... I just don't have a lot to say other than the fact that, uh, listen, uh, hopefully he plays soon. I don't think he plays this week. That's my guess. But he's practicing right now. That is progress. That's huge progress. He's got to practice. He's got to play a couple of games in the month of December. And listen, maybe the Chiefs put him out there for just a couple of plays, a couple of snaps this Sunday. I'd be okay with that if he is ready to go. But but he needs to get his feet wet this month because. If Eric Berry's first game back is the playoff game, that's a concern for me because when you first of all, if he does return for that game, and I mentioned return, he would have been gone for 32 games. That's two full regular seasons right there. So the Chiefs need Eric Berry to get acclimated and kind of get used to things. Let him get torched for a touchdown, fine. 
I, I think a lot of people, if you understand the game of football and understand that a long absence, it can take a while for you to get back into your normal form. Uh, everyone's going to understand, okay, it's Eric Berry trying to just get used to the thing. If you don't do something for nearly two years, it'll take you a while to kind of get back into remembering how you did certain things. So, uh, hopefully Eric Berry can uh, get a couple of reps uh, or a couple of games and have some reps in the month of December because by the time he does that, I think he'll be in his normal Pro Bowl form going into those big playoff games in January. And hopefully he can have another week to just recover. And and that's why having a bye week would be very crucial for the Chiefs. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do with week 17. If they have home field advantage clinched, uh, plus the bye week, how they want to handle that with all of their starters, as well as Eric Berry. And Eric Berry, yeah, sure, he is a starter, even though he hasn't played a game yet. But we all know he is the number one safety on this football team right now. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I hope he plays even just a couple of snaps. I think that'd be great. But if not... Uh, Hopefully he can play a couple of games this month and just get used to things after being away for so long. My guess, he does not play on Sunday. So we'll see how that goes with the Chiefs and his recovery as he continues to make some big progress this week for the Chiefs. Hey, let me just say this, because I won't have another chance to, to do another podcast until then. Uh, we do our recap. If Eric Berry is a full participant in Friday's practice... I think that's a good sign that he could play on Sunday. That'd be the only time I, I would I would change my guess and say that he'll uh, he'll play on Sunday if he's a full participant uh, either today Thursday or on uh, Friday's practice. One of those two, or even both, of course. I want to take a minute and talk about this uh, MVP discussion here. I'll, we'll we'll get into the Raiders and Chiefs shortly, but I want to talk about the MVP race because a lot of Chiefs fans, obviously, this is on their mind. Uh, this might be one of the rare occasions where you see a Chiefs player uh, up for an MVP award. I'm trying to think. Uh, I know Jamal Charles, uh, he was up for an MVP award, and I think Eric Berry received one vote for MVP in 2016. I don't know who that one vote was from, but he did receive a vote uh, that year, I, I, if, I, if I recall correctly. So... Before that, who was an MVP candidate uh, other than Jamal Charles? I want to say maybe Priest Holmes and Dante Hall in 2003. They were both candidates for MVP. I remember Dante Hall, he was uh, touted as a guy who who could honestly be uh, a candidate. I don't remember how many votes uh, he got or, or who got however many votes, but uh, I remember people were throwing Dante Hall's na- name out there as someone who could potentially win MVP just for his duties on special teams. Uh, but here we are right now, and Patrick Mahomes, probably the best shot uh, for, from any Chief to win the MVP award. It's it's between him and Drew Brees right now. Philip Rivers is having a good season. Andrew Luck's having a very good season. He and the Colts have turned it up. In fact, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, they're also having good seasons. But they're all, right now, number one and two are Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes. And whoever's in third place, there's a big gap between second place and third place right now. It's between Mahomes and Breeze. And let me just say this right now. If I had to vote today right now, I would vote for Drew Breeze. And I know that's not what Chiefs fans want to hear. But I think Drew Breeze is the rightful person to win the MVP award for a couple of reasons. The first part, look at the way Drew Breeze takes care of the football. Two interceptions all year long, no lost fumbles. He's fumbled three times, but never lost it once. 
Mahomes had five turnovers in the last game alone against the Rams. Breeze has only turned the ball over twice this whole season. And not only that, Breeze has the best completion percentage in the NFL uh, with a 76% completion percentage. Mahomes is at a 68%, which is still very good and very high. Uh, but Breeze is, is, is just even higher. Here's the other thing, and I think this is the biggest reason why Drew Breeze has the edge over Patrick Mahomes with the MVP award. Not because of stats, but this is a big one right here. And it has to do with making players around you better. Outside of Alvin Kamara... Drew Brees doesn't have a lot of big-name elite targets to to throw the ball to. And I think that's a big one right there. Look at Patrick Mahomes. And we've discussed this many times. And a lot of people predicted that this would be a big reason why Mahomes would do very well in his first year as a primary starter. Mahomes walked into an offense where he had a Pro Bowl player at running back, at tight end, and at wide receiver, I know Hill's been voted into as a Pro Bowler because of his special teams duties, but everyone knows that he's one of the better wide receivers in the NFL as well. So you have all of those things to work with if you are Patrick Mahomes. Drew Brees doesn't have a Pro Bowl tight end, a Pro Bowl running back, and a Pro Bowl wide receiver. He doesn't have a Pro Bowl player at all three of those positions. Patrick Mahomes does. Now, I'll say this too, and this is also a topic for another time, but I'd be interested in seeing how Patrick Mahomes does uh, later on. And I don't want want to say how Patrick Mahomes would do without Tyreek Hill uh, and Travis Kelsey because uh, a Chiefs offense without those two, I I think there is a valid reason to, to question how this team would do and how Patrick Mahomes would do. That's not to say Patrick Mahomes can't make players around him better, but I think people can make a strong argument that Drew Brees makes everyone around him better, whereas Patrick Mahomes, sure, maybe he is making Tyreek Hill better. Tyreek Hill is is having better numbers this year than he has had any other season in his three-year career in the in the NFL. But the thing is, Mahomes is also walking into an offense where, like I said, there are pro bowlers all around him. Drew Brees doesn't have that same offensive firepower that Mahomes has had to work with. And on top of that, the Saints are the number one scoring offense where the Chiefs are just... Barely number two right behind the Saints in that category. So again, it's not absurd to say that Drew Brees could win the MVP award. That's who I would vote for today. Now, if Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP award, I don't think that's an absurd thing to say either. Maybe people would question his turnovers this year for the Chiefs because he has uh, been a little reckless with the ball, but sometimes you've got to do that when you air it deep. I know we're not used to seeing that because Alex Smith... A fairly conservative quarterback didn't really air it out as much, uh, only when he just saw that opportunity, whereas Mahomes, he'll, he'll throw a pass. Uh, and at times, you'll see a 50-50 ball. You don't see it often with Tyreek Hill because he's too busy torching all these defensive backs. But for the most part, Mahomes will go out there and uh, he'll, he'll, he'll put up some calculated risks with the football. Some people will think that's a good thing, but it could cost him when it comes to an award like the MVP award. And that's understandable. But you've also got to consider the fact that this guy has a very good chance to break Peyton Manning's t- single season touchdown record. And if he doesn't, he'll come pretty damn close. He's on pace to get at least 50 touchdowns this year. So there's no right or wrong as to who you think will win MVP this year between Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes. Both are worthy of it. One is going to win it over the other. And I, I just think at the end of the day, it's going to be Drew Brees. 
That's where my prediction goes. And again, Chiefs fans, I I know fans get upset when their players don't win individual rewards like this. You know, look, don't fret it. Uh, Individual awards versus a team championship award. I mean, sure, we'll we'll obviously take one or the other, but uh, fans always want these kinds of things. Fans want to see their players voted into the Pro Bowl. That's just the way we are as fans, and that's certainly understandable. So it's okay to be a little bit upset about that. Uh, but I, I won't agree with any, uh, any comments that say that it is completely asinine that Drew Brees wins over Mahomes. I, I, I will never agree to that, uh, because they're both having phenomenal seasons. You could vote for either one. And uh, honestly, no one can criticize you or say it's a terrible vote because these are the only two people worthy of it. Now we still have five games left into the season. There's plenty of time for one player to make a big push over the other. So we'll see how that goes as the season goes along. But for right now, my vote will go to Drew Brees. Let me know your thoughts. Do you agree with anything I said? Do you think it's all fair statement? Or do you truly think Patrick Mahomes should win the MVP award? And don't tell me that you think Mahomes should win just because you're you're a Chiefs fan. Tell me why. Why do you think he is more worthy than Drew Brees? Because... There is a reason for it, but let me know what you think uh, if you have a different opinion uh, other than the one that I presented for Mahomes. Facebook.com slash Farzine Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email Farzine at Farzinevasugian.com. Let's get right into it. Chiefs and Raiders, the first time these two teams are playing this season. Head coach of the Raiders, everyone knows this guy, John Gruden, his first year back at coaching after being off for a few years, about 10, 11 years. Uh, second stint in Oakland was the head coach of the Raiders from 1998 to 2001, then coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 2002 to 2008, where he coached the Bucks to a Super Bowl win over Oakland in his first year with that franchise. Uh, obviously, he's run into Oakland quite a lot. Uh, but after his time off uh, and spending uh, a decade with ESPN as the highest paid analyst with uh, making $6.5 million per year. He's now back at coaching. And by the way, he made a very interesting comment about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he, he was basically praising all of the Chiefs' offensive players, and then he said, you know, they also have a quarterback, and he said, quote, might be the most dynamic player in NFL history. Now, sure, we could all say a lot of great things about Patrick Mahomes, uh, but I think as fans, we, we, we we're always going to say positive things about him, considering the job he's done this year with the Chiefs. But a guy like John Gruden, I, and I say what you want about him, the fact that he's a Raiders coach, who, who cares what a Raiders coach has to say, uh, but there's a reason why John Gruden was the highest paid analyst for a reason each year while he was with ESPN. This is a guy whose opinions everyone hi- highly valued, and I think for someone who is a casual football fan, you were able to listen to him on Monday Night Football and maybe understand the game a little bit better because of the way he explained things. And his analysis always helped provide clarity for a lot of people. Whether you are a diehard fan and you watch every single primetime game as well as both afternoon games available in your uh, market or if you have Sunday ticket or however you, you watch games. Or if you're the casual fan who just watches your team and occasionally some games on primetime. John Gordon always did a good job of explaining things to the viewer which is what you're supposed to do at that position. And that's why he was paid so much for it, more than anybody in the uh, sports industry. And the big reason why he's back coaching, I know he's not doing so good his first year, but the Raiders do have some some chances to really uh, make some strides with those first-round picks if they can uh, play them right. But of course, 
That's something we can discuss more in the offseason. Offensive coordinator Greg Olson, not the tight end. He's still playing for the Panthers, by the way. This is a different Greg Olson, longtime assistant in the game of football, was the quarterback's coach for the LA Rams last year, where he really helped develop Jared Goff in his second season after a really bad showing his rookie year. He was the offensive coordinator for the Raiders from 2013 to 2014, so some familiarity with the franchise. Now back with the Raiders after being away for a couple of years. Defensive coordinator for the Raiders, Paul Gunther, not a very good season for this Raiders defense. And I'll get into that later on. Uh, Gunther was the defensive coordinator for Cincy from 2014 to 2017. Actually, was with the Bengals since 2005. He was an assistant uh, for the longest time with the Bengals and then eventually was promoted to defensive coordinator briefly with the Redskins before that. He was coaching in college from 1994 to 2000. And looking at the special teams coordinator, Rich Besianca, he's been the special teams coordinator uh, at a lot of places. Made a lot of stops in college and in the NFL with the Bucks, the Chargers, the Cowboys. Now the Raiders reuniting with Gruden. They were together during the Super Bowl season in Tampa Bay. And now he's with the Oakland Raiders. By the way, very fun fact about Biasca, but he helped South Carolina set a school record for most blocks in a single season uh, in 1992. So, long time ago, but uh, you don't hear those kinds of uh, records often. So, he helped South Carolina have one of their better uh, seasons, I guess, from a special teams standpoint. So we'll get into their special teams later on in just a moment. Not very good. Uh, nor is this offense, nor is this defense. Why are the Raiders so bad? Listen, I, I say what you want about the Raiders. Of course, division rival, they've actually been bad for a long, long time, uh, with the exception of 2016, when they finished with the same record as the Chiefs, 12-4. and four. But the thing about this Raiders team is, I, I was a little, I was actually kind of high on this Raiders team. I thought they were going to return to their 2016 form and compete with the Chiefs, because they made some big acquisitions in the offseason. Uh, getting guys like Martavius Bryant, uh, got guys like Jordy Nelson, former K-Seater. Neither of them have really done anything for the Raiders this year. And then considering you had Omari Cooper, I thought this was, this was going to be a very good Raiders team in the passing game. And listen, Derek Carr's done some good things, uh, but also uh, the, there are also some areas where he needs a lot of improvement. And I'll get to that shortly. But this Raiders team, man, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, you bring in John Gruden, possibly the best guy to come out of retirement, and here he is, not doing a good job with this Raiders team, and I don't know why. I can't really put my finger on it, and like I said, if you're a Raiders fan, you just got to hope that he hits a lot of big home runs with those first-round picks. That's what you're banking on right now, because you look at this offense, 30th in points per game with 17 points per game. 24th in total offense, 19th in passing, 25th in rushing. They're averaging just 100 yards per game on the ground. I mentioned I talked about Derek Carr, 13 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. He's 13th in passing yards with 2,827 yards. He's been sacked 35 times, tied for the 4th most with Marcus Mariota of the Titans. And I'll get into that a little bit later too because that could be a big difference maker for the Chiefs in this football game. Derek Carr has completed more than 68% of his passes. In fact, that is his career best by a wide margin. But, of course, it's not getting the job done in Oakland. Uh, His average also at an all-time high for yards. Now, unless he has a six-touchdown game before the season ends, 
he might have a single season career low for touchdowns. So he has a lot of single season highs in his career, like uh, passing yards. It looks like he's going to be on his way. His completion percentage, if he keeps that going. But as far as touchdowns go, man, uh, he's going to probably have fewer than 20 touchdowns for the first time in his career. So kind of makes you wonder, what is it about Derek Carr this season that hasn't allowed him to uh, be as well as he was a couple of years ago when he was an MVP candidate? Well, let's look at some of the uh, players he's had to work with in the passing game. His best pass catcher is Jalen Richard. He leads a team, a running back, by the way, a backup running back, leads the team with 53 catches. Tight end Jared Cook is second with 47 catches, leads the team in receiving yards with 609, also leads the team in total touchdowns with five. You look at Jordy Nelson, I mentioned former Case Theater, uh, longtime Green Bay Packer as well, led the receivers in snap, uh, on the team that is, led the receivers on the Raiders last week in snaps against the Ravens, after missing a game the week before, yet he had no catches in that game. He has 25 receptions for 353 yards and three touchdowns on the year. I mentioned Martavius Bryant, another big addition coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but has really done nothing for this Raiders offense. In fact, he's actually missed the last two games with a knee injury and might miss this game as well. Speaking of injuries, Doug Martin was questionable going into last week's game against Baltimore. Did end up playing, though. In fact, he actually saw the end zone for the first time all year. Uh, He has 87 carries for 384 yards. He's had double-digit carries ever since Lynch's injury, which has been the last five games. And I mentioned Marshawn Lynch placed on IR due to a core muscle injury his season uh, likely over. And you look at the Raiders offensive line, a couple of bright spots here. Uh, I'll mention the most obvious one, Rodney Hudson, former Chiefs player, drafted by Scott Pioli in 2011, uh, was a guard, uh, but is playing center for the Oakland Raiders. But the Raiders have two rookie offensive tackles, and they have not done Derek Carr any favors in this game. Right tackle Brandon Parker, he'll be going up against D. Ford. He was taken in the third round from North Carolina A&T, and in seven starts, he has allowed five and a half sacks. Rookie left tackle Colton Miller was taken 15th overall. The Raiders traded down six spots to get him on their board. He has started all 11 games this year, but has allowed eight and a half sacks this season. And I've said this time and time again, uh, pass rushers make a big difference in this sport. They really do. And when you have a guy like D. Ford, who's got nine sacks this year, by the way, Chris Jones also has nine sacks, co-leading the team in that category. And you've got a really good front seven. This Chiefs defense is starting to come along. And I thought they did some some good things against this uh, Rams offense, a high-powered Rams offense. Now, allowing 40 points, and again, that's just the defensive side of things. Doesn't include the two uh, defensive scores the Rams had. But the, the, the Chiefs defense allowing 40 points, you know, obviously you got to improve on that, but... There are some things that this defense was able to do against the Rams that we hadn't seen a lot of other teams do. Uh, they went out there and really did some damage on that Rams team. They really did. So this is a Chiefs defense that when you have a guy like Justin Houston, who I know has not been available for a lot of games the past few years, but uh, when he is available, he definitely makes his presence noticed. Uh, he definitely has an impact in the game. And you've got D Ford as well. I think there's going to be a game where it's going to be a race between D. Ford and Justin Houston as to who's going to get to Derek Carr first. I can see Derek Carr getting sacked quite a lot in this football game. If I had to give you a number, I'll say six sacks for the Chiefs defense. 
And I think you're going to see different players getting on the fun. You're going to see guys trying to double-team Justin Houston. Well, then they're going to switch and double-team D Ford. Okay, well then, now all of a sudden we're forgetting about uh, guys like Chris Jones and Alan Bailey who have been doing really well for the Chiefs lately. So uh, we can't forget about them either. So there are a lot of guys from a Raiders standpoint, you've just got to be very careful with. And if Derek Carr does not get the time he needs, and listen, this Chiefs defense, they have a lot of glaring holes with the secondary. If this Raiders offensive line can give Derek Carr some time, we could see the Raiders put up more points than expected. But if this Raiders offensive line just continues to struggle, I can see this Chiefs defense holding its own and not letting the Raiders go off and surprisingly have a good game. I can see this Chiefs defense... The front seven just flat out blowing up this uh, line of scrimmage and getting to Carr as fast as possible. I can see that right now. Uh, it's just a matter of which defensive player is going to have the best game. Because I, I, I've got a good feeling that one of the pass rushers, uh, one of the front seven guys could be up for a player of the week award uh, for, for the AFC. So I can see that from, from a defensive standpoint. Let's switch to the other side of the football and talk about the... Raiders defense and how the Chiefs offense matches up against them you look at the defense 30th in points allowed with 29.7 points per game 26 in total defense 15th against the pass and dead last in stopping the run or at least trying to stop the run they've been allowing more than 151 yards per game I mean look bold statement I know I mean everyone will, will predict this but this is a great chance for Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware to just go off. I I think you can just see it coming right now where the Chiefs go run heavy in, the, in this game. I know I've predicted that a few times when the Chiefs have faced some weak uh, rush defenses. But you still see the Chiefs uh, keep Patrick Mahomes very active. Uh, look, I, I know if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a big game, if he stays quiet and the Chiefs go run heavy, it maybe hurts his chances at an MVP award and the touchdown record. But at this point, do we? how much do we really care for that? We care for it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't say we don't care for it. I'm saying how much do we care for it at this point? Because I want to see the running backs get in and have a game like they're having an MVP type of season. I think that's a possibility in this football game, given how bad the Raiders' defense is. And by the way, I mentioned the points per game. The Raiders are giving up nearly 30 points per game. The Chiefs are scoring nearly 37 points per game. When you're scoring 37 points per game and you're allowing 30 points per game from an Oakland standpoint, and again, Gunther has not had a very good season uh, guiding this defense, this bodes really well for Kansas City. And by the way, I mentioned the Saints. They lead the league in points per game right now, 37.2 points per game, where the Chiefs are at 36.7. The Rams are third at 35.4 points per game so a little bit behind those two teams uh the Colts are fourth they are averaging 29 and a half points per game so a big gap between number three and number four but in uh, defense of the Colts uh they've come a long way in the past few games and if they've played like that a full season they probably would be up there with the Chiefs and, and the Saints for uh being one of the higher scoring offenses but for right now I mean you look at the Chiefs uh, the, the, I can see them putting up more than 30 points, maybe even a little bit more against this Raiders defense. And this Raiders defense, boy, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. This Raiders defense is horrible. Maybe one of the worst defenses I have ever seen put on the field. Their leader in tackles, Tahir Whitehead, 
leads the team with 86 tackles, the outside linebacker. Second is the inside linebacker, Markel Lee, with 51, a big gap right there. Defensive tackle, Maurice Hurst, leads the team with four sacks. The Chiefs have four players that have at least four sacks. Justin Houston has four sacks, Alan Bailey has six sacks, and I mentioned earlier, D. Ford and Chris Jones each have nine sacks. Safeties Reggie Nelson, Marcus Gilchrist, excuse me, and uh, cornerback Gary Ann Connolly each have two interceptions on the season. So again, uh, not very high from those guys. Kendall Fuller has three leading the Chiefs uh, in that category. You look at the Raiders, they have three total forced fumbles. D. Ford has five forced fumbles. Chris Jones has two forced fumbles, just one behind the Raiders as a team. By the way, I, I didn't realize this until I looked up the stats trying to compare the forced fumbles to see if anyone on the Chiefs, if they're outplaying the Raiders in that in that stat. D'Anthony Thomas has two forced fumbles. So D'Anthony Thomas, who has not been available uh, for the Chiefs, he, he has a couple of forced fumbles. Yeah, an offensive player, a kick returner and an offensive player. I know he plays some special teams, and I think one of the forced fumbles came from the uh, Chargers game, where it wasn't really him forcing the fumble. It was more on uh, on Benjamin, who didn't do a good job uh, possessing the football. But hey, still counts for him as a stat. That's how it goes down sometimes. Uh, but, but, but man, this Raiders team, uh, wherever you look at any stat... Uh, whether their team leader in sacks, which is Hurst, again with four, their top interceptors, which you've got a couple with two, it's not very good for the Raiders. It's really not. This is a really terrible defense. That's why they're third to last in points allowed and getting ready to face the second highest uh, scoring team in the NFL. And I think after this game, the Chiefs could uh, surpass the Saints for highest scoring team in the NFL going into uh, the following week. This, is, this just does not bode well for the Raiders. And I know what I say a lot of times. Never underestimate a, a team in the NFL. Because we do see upsets. They do happen sometimes. Uh, but I just don't see any sign of hope where this Raiders team could pull off an upset. The only way I, w- I would picture that is if the Raiders had uh, a, a premier pass rusher on their team. And they don't have one. If they had a top-notch pass rusher that could... Force the Chiefs offensive line to make some mistakes, which they have done this year. Maybe I'd be inclined to say, okay, this could be a, a closer game than anticipated, but I don't see that being the case. I really, really don't. Quick look at their special teams. Dwayne Harris handles all the return duties, seventh in punt return average yards with 10.2. Tyree Kill is one spot ahead of him, uh, averaging 11.6 yards per return. Johnny Townsend has one of the lowest averages this season as a punter, might be. The worst punter in the NFL. Uh, Again, uh, he's 30th in average punt yards. So obviously not very good for Townsend. You've got Daniel Carlson. Uh, He was previously with the Vikings. And he was cut. If you remember the beginning of the year, there were a lot of kickers who lost their jobs because of not being able to make field goals in crucial games. And in the overtime tie against the Packers when he was with the Vikings... Uh, he missed three field goals for the Vikings against the Packers. And that, of course, led to his release. And since then, he has joined the Raiders and not, done not bad. He's at, he's made seven of eight field or excuse me, eight of nine field goals for the Raiders. 
He is the rookie out of Auburn. So, been a tough season for him. By the way, the Raiders have had three kickers this year. And you look at Kansas City situation. When you, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. We'll look and see why the Raiders are bad. Do you know why they're bad now? They don't have a lot of... I mean, look at offense. Their top player, their top pass catcher is a backup running back. Their next player is a tight end. And even with their starting running back, Marshall Lynch, wasn't having a very good season. Hasn't done very well at all, as a matter of fact, since joining the Raiders. And the wide receivers they acquired, Jordy Nelson, Martavius Bryant, and you thought that, that it was going to be a great trio with, with Amari Cooper. Nope, he's on to Dallas. This is not a good football team. The rookie offensive tackles haven't done Derek Carr any favors. Defensively, I mean, statistically, it is just horrendous across the board for the Raiders. This team has a lot to do in the offseason. As for this game, I've got the Chiefs winning in a blowout. Uh, I I, I came into this podcast thinking the Chiefs were going to allow the fewest points they've allowed in the season. And I think they're going to tie with the Bengals game. They allowed 10 points against the Bengals, the fewest they've allowed all year. Uh, the next best was to Jacksonville and Arizona, allowing 14 points to each of those teams. I think the uh, the Chiefs will allow just 10 points against the Raiders. I've got the Chiefs winning this football game 35-10 to 10 in this football game. And maybe we see Chad Hetty in the fourth quarter. That'll be my uh, other bold prediction. Big game for the defense. Six sacks. That's my call right there. And I think we get Chad Henney. We We get some uh, some Henney action in the fourth quarter. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email, Farzine at Farzine Let me know your thoughts on my prediction and this game coming up for the Chiefs. Chiefs and Raiders playing for the first time this year at Oakland. Maybe for the last time at Oakland. We still don't know for sure what's going on there, but that is a possibility that the Raiders could be moving after this season, uh, and that I'm sure we will uh, talk about in the offseason, uh, whether it happens or not, because either way, there is still a story right there with the Raiders. So we'll definitely touch on that this offseason. So 35-10, possibly the last game the Chiefs play in Oakland. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. There are a lot of topics I want to touch on in this segment, so little time to waste. First things first, from the AFC West, we could have three teams from this division playing in the playoffs. You could see the Chiefs, Chargers, and Broncos all in the postseason. A lot of people are pretty high on the Broncos because they have a favorable schedule. Not easy. Favorable is the more appropriate word. They've got the Bengals on the road uh, who have been declining lately. You've got the 49ers which a lot of people think is a win. You've got the Browns. I think that's going to be the toughest game on their schedule. Funny to say, but I think so. Then you've got the Raiders. Then you've got the Chargers at home, who you beat on the road. And Denver's a very tough place to play in. So a lot of people think that there's a good chance that Denver could go undefeated. Little room for error for the Broncos, but there's still a good chance they could make the playoffs. And hey, look, I'll say it. I know these are the division rivals, but I'd love it if the Chiefs and two of their rivals made the playoffs every year. I think it just adds on to the rivalry in the AFC West, and I think it'd be very cool to see the Chiefs potentially uh, see a team for a third time, maybe in the AFC title game at Arrowhead. So that is something to uh, keep in mind. I think that'd be very interesting to see. Keep an eye on the Broncos, because I and I know Chiefs fans may not want to hear it, but 
I think there's a chance that if they can get past the Bengals, maybe they can get past the other four teams remaining on their schedule. In fact, I think that Chargers and Broncos game could be flexed to a Sunday night game if uh, things go well for the Broncos the rest of the year. Uh, Also, I want to look at the AFC North, another division where I just mentioned the Bengals are declining. The Browns are kind of on a roll right now. The Bengals, after a 4-1 start, they are 1-5 in their last six. The Browns have won two straight, and they are still alive. I don't think the Browns are going to make it, but I'm going to say this right now. They're going to show a lot of fight in the last five games. I think Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator who is serving as the interim head coach right now, I think he's earning himself that full-time head coaching gig in Cleveland. I really do. And by the way, people are criticizing Hugh Jackson uh, for going from one uh, team to a division rival, joining the Bengals, as the Browns did beat the Bengals. Let me just say this. Hugh Jackson wanted to coach. And I know Baker Mayfield, he says he stands by his comments in criticizing Hugh Jackson. What do you want Hugh Jackson to do? And keep this in mind, uh, potentially has a family, wants to stay in Ohio, so he gets to keep coaching. If you're upset that Hugh Jackson Jackson went to a division rival, maybe you should not have fired him in the first place. Listen, there are a lot of times you'll see players get released midseason and they join a division rival. It happens. Remember Chris Chambers? Uh, and in fact, he did that. And he had actually a big game for the Chiefs, helping them pull off a big upset against the, the, the Steelers uh, shortly after joining the Chiefs. So you can't sit there and criticize Hugh Jackson because he joined a division rival. This guy wants to keep coaching in some facet. He doesn't want want to spend the rest of 2018 miserable and pouting over being fired. He wants to go out there and have a, a hand in helping a team, and he's doing what he wanted to do, which is coaching. So I'm not too big on it. By the way, let's not forget Baker Mayfield. I know he didn't do this midseason, but he did go from one Big 12 team to another. So let's be careful with the criticism of joining a division rival here, shall we? By the way, the Colts, Andrew Luck, man, they, they're actually doing what the Chiefs did in 2015. Started 1-5, now they're 6-5. Offense on fire. I mentioned they're scoring about 29 points per game, but during this winning streak of the Colts, they've been scoring 34.6 points per game. Andrew Luck has 32 touchdown passes. The second most behind Mahomes is 37 this year. Also, Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars, man, uh, they've lost seven straight games after a 3-1 and one start. They were AFC runner, runner-ups last year. They look terrible right now. Jalen Ramsey calling the entire Bills team trash, probably called one of their players a return specialist. Who knows? Uh, but, man, I, I think players like Ramsey, you know, uh, Dwayne Johnson, when he had his role as the Rock, he had that phrase. He said, shut up. Uh, what was it? Uh, know your role and shut your mouth. And I think that's what Jalen Ramsey needs to do right now. Just shut up and play. Find ways to win because you're not doing that with your team right now. Last thing I want to discuss, the Packers. This has been a surprise to a lot of people. What a surreal season this has been. 20 touchdowns and one pick for Aaron Rodgers. He's been having a good season, but the rest of the Packers team has been very bad. Uh, With the exception of Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starter, which was in 2008, the Packers have never finished below 500. And by the way, the Packers have had uh, Aaron Rodgers' record as a starter. Only single-digit win seasons he's had uh, were in 2013 and 2017. And that's because his seasons those years were cut short due to injuries He's been available all year for the Packers, and he might be on his way to a single-digit win season. And I know he said after the game that he thinks the Packers could still make the play. Oh, boy, dude. Uh, There's that funny meme going around that shows him uh, looking at the, uh, uh, the tablet 
uh, where he throws it at the ground and he throws it because he sees he and the the Packers and the Browns each have the same exact record. So it's been a bad year for the Packers. And a lot of people talking about Mike McCarthy could be out of a job. And a lot of people saying Eric Bieniemy could be a candidate there, uh, could also be a candidate for that Browns job because of the connection with John Dorsey. But man, uh, what a bad season it is for the Packers. And look, just goes to show one bad season, uh, even with Rodgers available. I know he was hurt last year, but man, even this year, they are not making any excuses and could be his last year with the Packers. Let's go out of bounds. Well, St. Louis lost the Rams not too long ago, but that's okay because the XFL announced that they're going to be sending a team to St. Louis. Congratulations to the city of St. Louis. You went from having the Rams to having an XFL team. Now look, I know I mentioned before that the XFL maybe was a little bit ahead of its time because of the style of football they were trying to bring out in this game of football. I think they'll do okay in their revive, but I don't think it's going to last long. I I just don't. Uh, I know there's a lot of hype that Colin Kaepernick and Tim Tebow, uh, uh, Johnny Menzel, Jamarcus Russell, guys who had potential in the NFL or getting snubbed, whatever you want to say about Kaepernick, uh, guys who could actually have a decent career in the XFL. But I just, I I think after a game or two, we'll care, especially if Colin Kaepernick plays because everyone's waiting for him to get his chance at a football uh, contract. Uh, but I just don't see this lasting very long. And look, it's just a spit at the, to the face of football fans on St. Louis because you had a lot of Rams fans there. The Rams are a pretty big deal in St. Louis. Uh, there were some mem- memorable seasons with the Rams there. Uh, and now you're getting an XFL team to replace the Rams. I, I just don't know if anyone in St. Louis is really going to give a damn after a couple of games. There's going to be hype for a bit, but not very long. By the way, congratulations to St. Thomas Aquinas High School in Overland Park. They won a state title. I don't know if it's 5A or 6A, but regardless, their head coach, Randy Dryling, is uh, quite a buzz killer. So two players have the Gatorade bucket ready to, uh, to dump on Dryling, and as soon as they pour the Gatorade on him he goes off he actually pushes a player who didn't have anything to do with the Gatorade bath he thought he was part of it I mean he saw it coming at the very last second and you know when your visions all wet and everything I mean you just have no idea who to blame he just went up to a random player and then immediately the two guys who actually were carrying the bucket they just sat it down immediately nope not me wasn't me coach Yep, the guy who you're chewing out right now, that's him. He, he did it. Yeah, go after him. Uh, also, there was a guy filming the, uh, the the Gatorade bath, and Randy Dryling pointed at the guy and basically told him to get away, the same way Andy Reid did to, to Jared Goff. Uh, what's this guy's problem? I mean, the, look, the people are saying maybe he told his players not to do it. Don't tell me that. You cannot be too good for a Gatorade bath. When you win a championship... You got a Gatorade bath, all right? You just do. I, I mean, I've, I've just never seen it. I think one time, I remember, I think it was Mark Mangino with KU. 
I can't remember if it was the Orange Bowl or if it was a different bowl game that, that the, the Jayhawks won. But I remember KU won a, a bowl game and they were getting ready to pour the Gatorade bath on him and somebody from KU, an assistant coach or an official, somebody put their entire body weight on the Gatorade bucket preventing Mark Mangino from getting doused because I guess he requested that to not happen. Uh, so you have some teams... I guess maybe you you uh, hire somebody as the uh, Gatorade buzz killer, so to say. So, uh, but yeah, Randy Dryling, uh, a very uh, angry camper, not a happy camper, an angry man. Uh, after getting the Gatorade bath, after winning a state title, congratulations uh, on winning a state title, uh, and uh, pretty much going off on your on your players for wanting to celebrate with you. Hey, this is very interesting. Amazon is bidding on Fox channels from Disney. If you guys remember. Uh, ABC, Disney, I should say, not ABC, ABC is owned by Disney. Disney, they uh, had this very interesting deal with Fox where they ended up owning a lot of uh, Fox networks. Uh, Pretty much, uh, they got a lot of uh, channels from Fox with the exception of FS1, Fox News, and Fox Business. Uh, But Disney ended up getting a lot of channels from that deal. Now the regulators, essentially the government, they said it's all it's all fine except for 22 regional networks that a uh, that I keep wanting to say ABC that Disney must get rid of. So Disney put those 22 regional ne- networks up for bidding. That includes Fox Sports Kansas City. And by the way, of these uh, 22 uh, Fox Sports regional networks, uh, also includes Yes, the Yes Network, which they air all of the Yankees games. And that's a big one. By the way, in these uh, 22 regional networks, they air a total of more than 40. And I, I had the number, but I, I lost it. It's more than 40 teams. Now, Fox Sports Kansas City, they only air Royals games. You don't see Chiefs games on there. You don't see... Uh, I don't think you, you really see a whole lot of other games on there. Uh, occasionally, you'll see a college football game on there. But I don't think it's an FSKC broadcasted game. But, uh, you know, I see Fox Sports Florida is one of the um, one of the regional networks there. Perhaps you see a baseball team and an NBA team. They both play games on that channel. Uh, maybe an NBA or an NHL team. You know, it could be a mix of all of the above. Uh, so there are some of these networks that air multiple teams from their area on their network. So uh, this also affects Kansas City and... Here's why this could impact you as a Chiefs fan. Sure, this does not impact Chiefs games because those are all nationally televised. And not nationally, nationally, like primetime, but they're broadcasted by CBS announcers, Fox announcers. Uh, These aren't locally uh, broadcasted games. Now, I'm saying down the road, Amazon could, if they become prime players for them, no pun intended, uh, they could really change the game down the road. We keep hearing about cutting the cord and seeing more games available on uh, online. And Amazon Prime is already one of the uh, places where you can uh, catch a Thursday night football game once a year on there. So we do have that. I remember they tried this with Twitter once. Now they've been doing it with Amazon Prime. And now Amazon wants to make a big run at it. So let's see if Amazon can do something where we actually do start making that big turn, that big curve where we start going to see more games available online. Uh, again, you can watch it on like a Direct TV app or the, the Spectrum app. 
If you have uh, AT&T U-verse, you can watch some broadcasted games live on your phone through those apps. But what about some of these uh, Fox Sports apps, ESPN apps, uh, where you, you can see some games? And how would Amazon uh, do compared to those apps that I just mentioned? That could be a big difference maker right there. By the way, some of the other firms that are bidding... Apollo Global Management, KKR, the Blackstone Group, Sinclair Broadcast Groups. Uh, for those uh, very familiar with media, you guys all know about Sinclair. And Tegna are also bidding on that. I know I went a little long on that, but I think as a as a sports fan, that is something very important that everyone should keep an eye on. And maybe that could change how you uh, consume sports, how you watch sports. Uh, as a fan, I mean, we, we're watching a lot of things on our phones and uh, tablets nowadays, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, or for watching live events, live TV on our devices. Uh, Amazon uh, wants to make a push at that and have even more control of that kind of thing. And again, we're talking some big networks here, a lot of big networks, including the Yes Network, which is the uh, Yankees uh, broadcast. By the way, I didn't realize this. The Yankees have a 20% ownership of that network. Very interesting. Uh, and again, FSKC, the Royals, uh, despite not being good last year, they've had a lot of high ratings the past couple of years. So we're talking some big networks on these, uh, on all of these 22 regional networks. And uh, it's a big deal. So we'll see how that all pans out with Amazon. I'm sure this is a topic we will definitely follow up on and see w- w- the direction where this story goes for sure. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. Ben Roethlisberger did his weekly radio interview on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. And during his radio hit, he criticized Antonio Brown for his route running on the late interception he threw to a Broncos defensive lineman, which there was also another Broncos defender in the way. So, terrible pass. And he's criticizing Antonio Brown for his route running. You made a terrible throw inside the five essentially and you're criticizing Antonio Brown when you threw a pass in traffic where a defensive line picked it off and there was also uh and I made a mistake last episode I said Chris Harris it was actually Bradley Roby who was in the way who could have also gotten the interception you're gonna criticize your receivers route running for that look I know Roethlisberger is known to be a little bit open about criticism which I think is terrible why why would you openly criticize your guys Keep it behind closed doors. Don't make it public. But second of all, that was not on Antonio Brown. That was a horrible pass. And that's all on you, big man. It's all on you. Okay, I have to rant here because... What, what do I talk about on here? Bad drivers. Yeah, I know. I'm hypocritical for that because I mentioned... Uh, I almost hit Studebaker today. Uh, but... Everyone's been dealing with the snow in the Midwest. I have a question. Where in the hell do drivers get the idea that if their vehicle is a four-wheel drive vehicle, if they're on four-wheel drive, that their vehicle is essentially invincible in the snow? I've never understood that for one second. I just don't see where people get that idea. Can anyone tell me why that is a a thought? That's a thing in people's minds? Um, No, seriously. Tell me if anyone knows why. I really want to know. You guys know the social media. I say it all the time. Tell me why. I really want to know. Because you're not invincible. 
No matter, yeah, four-wheel drive, ten-wheel drive, one-wheel, whatever the hell it is. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a matter of being smart on the road. That's what keeps you invincible from the road. Okay, gender reveals are just stupid. They really are. Uh, there was one gender reveal I saw where a guy, uh, he and his wife, they were, uh, I, I don't know exactly what they were doing. They had to pop a bottle and the color powder would come out, which is what a lot of people do. They do powder or streamers uh, or confetti. Uh, he actually oh, uh, popped the bottle right at his crotch. Uh, probably the only gender reveal that guy would have. That's not what the penalty flag is about. This is a different uh, gender reveal I want to discuss here because uh, a man in, uh, where was this, Arizona, he got in a lot of trouble. A gender reveal burned 47,000 acres and $8 million in damage. There was a makeshift target that says boy or girl, and in the clip, you uh, hear a gunshot. And you see an explosion with blue powder. Oh boy. Pun intended. Uh, someone then sh- shouts, start packing up. Uh, so everyone tries to take off. And right after it happens, I mean, the flames, it's already gone. I mean, it's, it's starting. The guy who shot at the target, he was an off-duty patrol agent. He pleaded guilty in September to a misdemeanor. This happened more than a year ago. The, uh, uh, the, the gender reveal... He pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor violation of U.S. Forest Service regulations and was sentenced to five years of probation. He was ordered to pay the more than $8 million in restitution, starting with an initial payment of $100,000 and monthly payments thereafter. Wow. Uh, The expected dad, 37, according to uh, K-Gun, the TV station that reported this, Uh, had packed the target with highly explosive substance called Tannerite and shot it with a high-powered rifle. So uh, this genius had the idea that with um, that explosive in the middle of a a forest right there, uh, he thought that would make for a great idea to do a gender reveal. Just shoot at it and put Tannerite explosives and... Voila, let's do a fun gender reveal. Let's hope nothing uh, terrible goes wrong, right? Remember there was a time when people did not really give a damn about your gender reveal, let alone people that didn't even have gender reveals. I guess people just wrote on their Facebooks or their Instagrams, it's a boy, it's a girl. No, now people have to uh, top whoever they see, essentially just trying to outdo the other gender reveal they see online and try to make it even better and bigger and better uh i just think this is ridiculous uh the one gender reveal i liked uh the wife knew so she actually purchased the uh, color uh, baby clothes the husband opens it up and he learned that it was a boy or a girl those basic gender reveals i think are nice they're short sweet to the point and, and, and pretty pretty nice too uh now we have just people trying to outdo whoever they see online. Folks, nobody gives a damn how you reveal it. And now people are having get-togethers for this kind of thing. Just, just stop. Just write on your Facebook who it is. Or, or, or what the gender is, I should say. That's it. That's all people care about. That's all. Don't do something stupid like this guy. 
But I guess that's the thing now. Uh, I mean, it goes viral, too. At this point, I mean, if you're going to do a gender reveal, just do something stupid so at least the video goes viral. Maybe if you upload it on YouTube, you can make a few bucks out of it. I don't know. At least uh, make it worth your time, I guess. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Vasugi, your host. Thank you all for downloading and listening. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Share the podcast as well. Interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash farzinvasugian, twitter.com slash farzin21, and my email, farzin at farzinvasugian.com. Eric Berry's back at practice. Good news for the Chiefs. We'll see if he plays this week. We'll discuss it as the week goes on. I told you guys my bold prediction, six sacks on Derek Carr, plus... I think we do see Chad Henney in this game. Hopefully not due to an injury. Hopefully not due to that. It'll be due to a blowout. And I think the Chiefs will win this 35-10 on Sunday in Oakland. Let me know your thoughts on everything we discussed on this podcast on social media. Or you can email me. Until then, enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you guys Monday morning. We will recap the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Have a good weekend. Take care.